don't try to tell me that there's a positive, spiritual, maybe even joyful way to do Tisha B'Av. No, Tisha B'Av is about suffering, isn't it? Welcome to Consciously, a podcast focused on honest conversation by regular people and for regular people seeking spiritual growth. Hey, welcome back to the podcast, Menachem Posnianski. So it's the nine days, and that means it's time to swim in our sadness, revel and frolic and how horrible things are, maybe even watch a Holocaust movie. But how can we connect with that energy in a way that maybe is more hopeful, maybe in a way that leads us later to joy? But first, before we get there, I want to ask you to please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review on Apple uh, or Spotify. That it definitely helps us get the word out. Also, pass this on to your friends, anyone who would benefit from uh, this stuff or maybe be tickled by it. Um, please let them know. Also want to remind you about our social media pages, Light Revealed, Consciously 62. Check those out. We're doing a great series. I believe this week is humility on the Light Revealed. Um, but we're on Instagram and Facebook. You can check us out there and connect that way. Also, the book is still available online. Consciously Six Steps to Living Vibrantly with Our Creator and uh, Intentional Jew Podcasting Network stuff. Okay, so I'm always thinking about like, okay, what do I do with the nine days? Like, I love darkness. You know, I can like be there all the time except when I'm supposed to be. You know, then I'm like looking for the light. But 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 on a serious note, you know, how am I supposed to connect with this time? You know, for those who are maybe uninitiated, the, the nine days is the period that goes from the first day of the month of Av, Menachem Av, until the ninth of Av, um, Tisha B'Av, uh, which is the day of the destruction of the temple. And we have halacha, we have laws about uh, avoiding showers and not wearing new clothes and not eating meat, drinking wine. Um, it's, it's a period of mourning. Um, not only mourning the loss of the temple, but really, as is reflected in the prayers of Tisha B'Av, mourning the many tragedies and, you know, the absurd traumas that the Jewish people have been through uh, throughout our exile. Okay, but practically, what am I supposed to draw from this? So anyway, so there, there's something that, kind of a topic that keeps coming up again and again, and I decided why not, you know, put it down in uh, in podcast form. So the question that I want to face today is, is shame slash regret good or bad? Now, we've addressed this issue at other times, but what I want to specifically talk about today is productive guilt. You know, because it, you know, it's complicated because on the one hand, if we allow guilt to enter our lives, we often end up be broken, beaten, and disempowered. Um, but on the other hand, if we absolve ourselves of all guilt, we end up in the darkness of complacency, apathy, and callousness. So it's kind of darkness on both ends. So what do we do? So Hasidus teaches us that there's kind of two forms of shame. There's a good shame, and then there's a very not good shame. Uh, there's a shame that's kind of very destructive and useless, and we need to run from that. But then there's a really good shame that we need to try to figure out how to tap into. Now, if you're wondering, how would you know good shame if you found it? There's a really interesting thing that happens in both Sichas Aran, which are teachings of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, and Tanya, they both say the exact same statement in Sichas Aran Mem Vav and in Tanya Perak Lamed Aleph. They say this, the earmark of a healthy broken heartedness 
is that it ends with joy and passion. That if you're doing it right, if you're tapping into a, a sense of despair and darkness about your life, maybe regret over your sins, in a way that leaves you joyful and passionate for change, then you're doing it right. And if you're not, then, you know, you need to try again. Or maybe you need to not do that anymore. Or you need to find a better way. The question emerges, how do we find like a balance? How do we find healthy, productive despair? I don't mean like Rabbi Nachman says there's no despair in the world. I mean like, how do we find a productive way of kind of connecting with the darkness, particularly in these nine days of the fact that we're in we're in Gullus? Because part of the way that in which Judaism associates the trauma and despair of being in exile is that it's our fault. Like Chazal teach us, the rabbis teach us that if a person experiences exile, that's a sign that they earned that exile in their days. Meaning ostensibly, there's one of two options. There's exile or redemption. And if you're not in redemption, you're not in exile. It's not like, well, I kind of am in exile because, you know, those people did that back then. But if a person's still in exile, it's a sign that they have earned that space. So that times of reflection upon the exile are actually times where we're supposed to reflect upon ourselves. And the question is, how can I do that productively without feeling like, you know, really dark? Most because really dark doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't end me off in a good place and does nothing for me productively. But as Rabbi Nachman and as the Balatanya lay out, if I'm ending in darkness, I haven't done it right. So like, what's the point? So I'm going to go into Tisha B'Av. I'm going to wallow in self-pity and pain and suffering and, and trauma and victimhood. And then I'll come out broken and I'll come up to, I'll, you know, God willing, after 120, I'll go upstairs thinking that I like did Tisha B'Av great because I'm such an expert at Tisha B'Av because I know darkness and I'll get there and they'll be like, no, you got that all wrong because you didn't end in joy. So what I saw was this, this is powerful, powerful stuff. In order to understand how to do despair effectively, darkness productively, we have to first talk about why we do the right thing in the first place, like what our motive is for living rightly. So there's a classic story about the Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya, uh, that was told over by his grandson, the Tzemach Tzedek. And the, the Rebbe told over this story many, many times. He referenced it many, many times. But basically, the Tzemach Tzedek, who was orphaned at a young age and therefore was was raised by his grandparents and specifically by his grandfather, the Alter Rebbe, he had very unfettered access to the Alter Rebbe, told us things about what was kind of going on. There's actually some really great stories about things that he repeated later. Uh, when everyone figured he was just a little kid, he didn't know what was going on. Meanwhile, he was absorbing everything like a sponge. But nonetheless, the Tzemach tells us that when the Alter Rebbe was under his talas, during the priestly blessings, during Berchus Kohanim, he would say some kind of prayer that went something like, God, I don't want any of your reward. Not heaven, not the highest, highest form of heaven, not the lower form of heaven. I don't want any reward at all. All I want is you. Like a level of surrender and commitment that seems to just like way beyond anything we can imagine. Like a total sense of a letting go of any motive to get anything out of the positive things that we do. But what the Rebbe taught is that because the Tzemach Tzedek revealed this story, it's a sign and a symbol that this is actually a very powerful teaching for all of us, which from a recovery frame, we always 
kind of try to bring some of this back into the recovery frame, you know, one of the things that sometimes people have a hard time with with the recovery process is that step 11, Lahavdil, I'm not making a comparison between step 11 and the Alter Rebbe, but there's a, a, a correlating idea, right? Step 11 states that pr- uh, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry it out. And people kind of can get, you know, Meshuggah about that, but ostensibly what that prayer is teaching, which maybe we'll talk about, you know, in November, but um, in the step series, but ostensibly what that idea is teaching is that it's not productive for somebody in a recovery process to get lost in praying for things in the sense of having a motive to receive benefit from their positive spiritual activity. And what's most productive, at least at this juncture of the therapeutic process or the healing process of the steps is to focus one's attention on abandoning a sense of motive for doing anything right for any other reason other than for the right of doing it. And the story of the Alter Rebbe expresses a similar idea, this idea that I don't want I don't want any of your heaven, I don't want anything else. All I want is you, all I want is the privilege of being in contact with you. So the question becomes how do, how does one do that practically though? How does one get to a space where they can live their life in that way? abandoning all the motive and agenda for getting cash and prizes for doing the right thing and just kind of do the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing. What in other times we've called in this podcast for free and for fun, because we want to and because we get to. So there's a teaching in Sikha Zoran, uh, Mem Ches, that says, Rabbi Nachman actually in that Sikha, that it's a, you know, Sikha Zoran is just kind of things that he said. And he's talking about his only journey of growth particularly his challenge, he mentions over there, uh, in in his younger years, struggling to find a way to eat in a way that's fully spiritual, right? Which I guess is a very high level, but we can all relate to the idea of kind of getting lost in, you know, pleasure-oriented behavior and kind of losing sight of what's really important. So Rabbi Nachman teaches over there that the key for him to being able to get through that, to overcome that, to grow in that area was to develop the capacity to start over his day again and again, no matter how many times it took. And what he talks about over there, and then he talks about that being a real path for someone to be able to become what he calls an ish kusher, right? Which means a wholesome, truly healthy person. What he says over there is that we're constantly falling short of our ideals, but the only way for us to make any real progress is to be able to look at ourselves in the eyes, look at ourselves in the mirror, and accept that we did something wrong, truly regret it, abandon our connection to it, and then start over again. And he talks there, which is an idea that's actually talked about in recovery a lot, is that it's never too late to start your day over again. He talks about starting his day and then encouraging others to start their day again and again and again. And what Rabbi Nachman's talking about over there is the development of an ability to fully lean into our regret in a total and complete way, but then also let it go in an instant by starting the day over again and again and again every time we fail, shedding the husk of shamefulness and revealing a hopefulness for what's next. But then what he explains is really powerful. He says, this is only possible when we abandon our need and want for tangible benefits and results from our good behavior, very similar to the story of the Alter Rebbe. When we have a motive to benefit, even to earn olam haba, 
we can never let go of the past effectively, of the consequences of our bad choice. You see Rabbi Nachman saying it's practical. You know, I, when I make mistakes, I hold on to that, to the, to the pain about my mistakes because I have an agenda about what I'd like to get out of this. And practically speaking, I've missed the boat. When we have a motive to benefit, even to earn olam haba, like the next world, we can never let go of that past and the consequences of our bad choices. But when we make the reward for a good deed, the opportunity to do more good, as Chazal explained, schar mitzvah mitzvah, the reward for doing a mitzvah is the opportunity to do another mitzvah, then whatever we did in the past, once we rightly regretted it and shed our suffering over it and all the shame that came along, what good is it anymore? Nothing. It has no use. It doesn't matter that we made a mistake in the past. All that matters now is what we get to do right next. All that matters is our opportunity to experience God, our Creator, as His light shines through us when we do the right act justly and goodly. So kind of what this said to me is that the story of the Alta Rebbe, at least for us, is not a level to reach. It's a prayer we can have. Meaning, it's not that the Alta Rebbe was, perhaps, if we're bringing it down to our level, or if we were to practice this discipline of the Alta Rebbe, it would be like an expression of me saying what I actually want, but rather an expression of what I hope I might become. To be freed from the grips of motive and agenda, so that we can then be free to regret our mistakes deeply, start over as many times as necessary, and move forward. As we do this, we can start to see how despair and regret can lead to joy and motivation for growth. The key is, can we let go of the motive? And the key to doing that is to pray about it, to ask God to help dislodge us from our agenda. So as we move into the nine days, I think it's important to remember that our sadness about what's not right and our regret for our sins, ours and those of our forefathers, are not an end in and of themselves. They are a moment of national pause for the purpose of opening the door to a happiness and joy beyond anything we have ever known. Because really, if you think about it, Tishabov is the beginning of a path toward the ultimate Simcha of Simcha's Torah. We emerge out of Tishabov, headed directly for the joy and promise of Tubav, a day that the sages told us was the happiest day of the year. The day when brides would come out and find their matches. The day where, in spite of our suffering, in spite of our mistakes, in spite of what's, in spite of what's wrong with our lives, we move on. People get married. People build a life. And then from there, from Tubav, just quick, in two weeks, the king is in the field. That's the energy of Elul. Anila doidi vidoidi li. I am to my beloved, my beloved is to me. God is more available to us during that time than he is at any point in the year. Then we're on to Rosh Hashanah, crowning God to be our king. We immerse ourselves in the attempt, in the intensity and yet rapture of the purity of Yom Kippur, which is all about joy because it's Yom Kippurim. It's a day like Purim. We're connecting with something that's super transcendent and powerful, yet rooted in the deepest place of joy. All the way back to coming home on Sukkot and for bringing with the king himself for free and for fun because he wants to on Shmini Atzeres, which is the theme of that holiday. See, there's a point to the sadness. It leads us to joy. Tishabov is the first step we take as we head in this life-changing period that's about to come. And the joy 
that we experience on Sukkot is the symbol that we did Tisha B'Av right. And the key to doing Tisha B'Av right is to let go of our agenda and be present wherever he wants us to be. And if today that means the privilege of sorrow, then we'll do that. But we'll be just as ready to leap into joy as soon as it's time. Wishing everyone a meaningful fast and a meaningful Tisha B'Av. And if redemption hasn't come by the time this podcast comes out, may this be our last holiday of sorrow. And next year be the greatest celebration of joy. Thanks for listening to the Consciously Podcast. Consciously is a project of the Living Group, which is a division of Our Place New York, and made possible by the kindness of the Capellius family, in memory of Tsipora Basravaro. The host of Consciously is Menachem Posnansky. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can give us a review on Apple Podcast and subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. We sincerely welcome and appreciate your feedback, so please feel free to email or on our Instagram and Facebook pages. Oh.